Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. Back with me for another episode where we're not just talking about me. I have the man, Bobby Ross. Bobby, hey, welcome. what's up, everybody? It's me, Bobby, the guy who does not belong here, <laughs> as usual. <laughs> and we actually have video today, so I'm staring at Bobby Ross and our, our guest's face. So it's an exciting day for us. I have You're to. Very I have to. Welcome. Yeah, I have to film closer to the, um, the router. So I'm like sitting literally in a closet and there's like stacks of clothes behind me and we're trying to move. So there's like boxes everywhere. This is how we hang out when I go over to Evan's house. He's like, hey, come into my closet. And we just sit there awkwardly. We just kind of sit down and like watch, watch, you know, like YouTube on his computer. <laughs> Hold hands. It's awesome. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's jump into... This, today's sponsor, and then we'll jump into the episode. So today's sponsor, this episode is brought to you by Exoskin. So I've been, you've been heard me talking about Exoskin in the last couple episodes. They make compression apparel and socks uh, designed for ultra running and obstacle course racing. We're going to have one of the guests uh, coming up who's an ultra runner, pretty big name ultra runner. I don't want to say who it is because in case it gets canceled last minute, but it's a, it's a huge ultra running star. Um, the, he swears by Exoskin for you know, long-distance endurance. Uh, to prevent chafing, and then on the obstacle course racing side, it's great for repelling water. Uh, like I've talked about before, the Marina Sports shorts I normally use are they're, they're no longer in production, so I had to find something new. And Exoskin is it? Compression shorts, uh, great for OCR, great for ultra running, which is kind of where my two worlds collide. And uh, yeah, if anyone wants to save some money, you can head over to Exoskin.us and use code Strength20. We don't get a kickback from that. That savings is all going to you. So, uh, so check them out. All right, let's get to today's guest. Joining me, I have Anthony Maiali. He's a senior editor for Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Yes, that show. I'm not. There's not some other show named exactly the same. Um, <laughs> it's that that big show on HBO. He's got uh, two Emmy uh, awards, like with his actual name on it. It says Anthony Maiali. I've picked him up and ran around his apartment when he wasn't paying attention. And he's got three additional nominations for that. He's also worked on some other shows, including, uh, was it uh, Nikki and Gl- I worked Nikki's? on, a, yeah, Nikki and Sarah Live on MTV, which yeah. lasted for two seasons. Right. Yeah, with, uh, a one-season MTV show or two-season MTV show. Yeah. And then uh, uh, David Tell's Comedy Underground. Yeah. Oh, Mostly comedy that. stuff. Oh, yeah. that's oh. I worked on that right before last week tonight. <laughs> So and the other funny, the other fun thing, uh, me and Anthony went to high school together, so we've known each other for a long time. He's in my wedding party, uh, very good friends, and uh, so we're going to be talking about, you know, achieving mastery and kind of pursuing your dreams in this episode for the first half, and then we're going to get his perspective on obstacle course racing centric media. Um, so I sent him some clips to kind of look at to show like what's currently going on, and we're going to talk about kind of the future of media in general, and you know, kind of how we might be able to sell or, you know, market obstacle course racing more to the masses as opposed to, um, you know, essentially us fanboys, like, drooling over live feeds that are three hours long, right? So, Anthony, welcome. How you doing? Good to be here. Let's start off with, like, last week tonight, right? Huge, Mm -hmm. huge, huge show. Um, And then on top of that, you've won several Emmys, which is also pretty crazy. I've never, I've never heard of this show. Could, I mean, like, it's on, it's on YouTube. It's one of the YouTube shows. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go look it up after. <laughs> so, like, ha- take me through, I guess, like how that happens, right? Like, how do you go from like 
hey, me and uh, my friends are editing really sh- shop, shop, um, shitty horror movies in our basement to now I'm working on uh, HBO In your show. opinion, they were, that, they were that quality. I thought they were, I thought they were just, amazing. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I take pride in my work. <laughs> yes, so take us through the process there, kind of how that plays out. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you knew me. I was always always had a camcorder or something and growing up and, you know, when we were just making random videos. Uh, I went to film school at Hofstra University. After that, I worked in PR, surprisingly, for about like six years, just making corporate sizzle reel videos. While I was doing that job, I was on the side making sketch comedy videos with uh, friends from college. Um, yeah, and that just, I've met a lot of people doing live shows and making these videos. Uh, we'd work on other people's videos, other people would work on our videos, and just, you know, we created a big network of people um, that I ended up collaborating with later on. One of the guys who I uh, did comedy videos with, like, from another group, he was, he knew people on the, who were getting this MTV show together, and they wanted a comedy editor, and not, like, just, like, a straight-up mtv editor i guess or you know they wanted someone who had comedy chops and so he reached out to me i applied for the job and i got it and then after that uh someone from that show ended up working on that david tell show i mentioned earlier so i got a job on there and then from that that same person uh recommended me for last week's night so last week's night is my third tv job (laughs) which is kind of bonk and i've been there since the beginning of the series so that was 2014 i think so yeah, went from yeah crappy camcorder videos, I, you know, quote unquote crappy. I, yeah, I'll make air quotes, but no one's gonna see that. Um, and uh, yeah, to that. Yeah, wild. It's you know it's, because it's very I, weird. Yeah, you because know, I've been friends with you the whole time. I feel like it. It just happened so slowly. It was like seamless from my end, right? Like where it's you're just sure. working, and you're you know all of a sudden it's like oh I'm on uh, John Oliver's show. <laughs> No big deal. And I was like, wait, what? I mean, look, that, those six years when I was working at the PR company and I was just doing you know, comedy just on the side, I was like, what am I doing? Why am I? I mean, that was six years. I sped through it in the story because I had to get to the good stuff. But yeah, those yeah. were six long years of like working a day job. And like, it wasn't like a horrible job, but it was, you know, it wasn't a creative thing. There were creative moments that like bled into the comedy side where like I learned tech stuff um, that helped me do like better graphics and like better green screen effects and stuff on the comedy videos I was doing. So that was a definite benefit. They sent me to editing classes. And so it all sort of, you know, meshed together into the stuff I was doing. So it sounds like to me, um, several years of practice. And then on top of that, it was a lot about kind of building relationships and networks with friends. Totally. Essentially open doors. Yeah, I attribute uh, most most of like my career trajectory to collaborations and working with other people, and like, yeah, that's you. That was something I learned early in my career. Where you have to collaborate. You can't just. Yeah, you know, I know it's it's kind of difficult to compare that to. I mean, you know, working on a team, and there are times when like you know your own ego goes ahead. We're like, oh, we should do it this way. We should do it this way. But like that second opinion or third opinion of like people who you trust to work with is it goes miles. Gotcha. And I mean, on the obstacle course racing side, I've seen that on, you know, as I, I've been kind of trying to navigate my way through the sport, you know, th- those relationships I've built have helped um, get team sponsors. And then those team sponsors have helped sponsor other series, right? So same, you know, because, because I, I go in and make friends with someone and then they become a known entity. They've seen the, the good work we've done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it continues to like snowball forward and uh, bring good it, things. Yeah, no. 
I completely agree. I mean, yeah, this all started from me doing sketch comedy and like I happened to like meet this person who got me on this TV show because he worked with one of the hosts on a different job. And then someone on that show liked the way I worked and they recommended me for another show and they recommended me for another show. I don't think I haven't applied for a job in a very long time. <laughs> it's all been recommendations. Nice. Bob, you got anything? You got any, you got any killer insight questions? Oh, I'm still, I'm still uh, geeking out over here. Uh, don't mind me. No, I'm, I'm totally with you. <laughs> but, I mean, look, it was a lot of, uh, it, it was a lot of like individual stuff. Like I know Bobby, you do uh, like, you know, independent film and, or videos and stuff like that for OCR. Like, I mean, what's that? How did you get into that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's exactly like what you say. Like the, the only time that you ever get a stepping stone from one job to the next is by collaborating with somebody else, mm -hmm. right? Like you can like plug away with one or two clients and just be making money but you, you're not going to go anywhere. That's kind of like where I found myself right now was like, you know, like I, I started, I was really late to start this. Like I got my uh, a degree in music composition and then I spent my twenties working up to, you know, touring full time. And then when I finally got there and I spent a little bit of time there, I realized I just hated it. I didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to create and make art. And it turned out that uh, being a tour musician is about 40 minutes of music every second day, you know, maybe. And then you drive for, you know, 20 hours uh, with people you hopefully like, uh, but you're not creating very much, you know? And so when I got into filmmaking, I happened to be in Tulsa and uh, I, was, I was 29. I just kind of like learned to use a camera and jumped out. And every single time that I've been able to kind of like take a stepping stone, like moving from church media to freelancing, moving from like freelance videography to like the OCR world, and then moving from OCR now into like uh, working as a cinematographer more and more and doing music videos and stuff like that. Every single time it had nothing to do really with um, getting better and people noticing that so much as it was calling someone up. Hey, can I do this for you? Hey, let me introduce you to this person. Right. And so right. you've got to be good enough. You've got to be ready to meet that. But really, honestly, like that's going to come just from experience. Really where it comes from is like, hey, what are you doing? Like, you want to get together on Tuesday night and just shoot some stupid shit and just mm -hmm. like see what happens? That's exactly how I, with the guys who I was making comedy videos with in college, like we just sort of, you know, picked each other out of crowds and we're like, oh, do you want to make something? Or like in our classes, like, oh, you said something weird in class. Do you want to make a video after after class? Or do you want to skip class and make a video? Yeah. <laughs> one, one or the other. You know? <laughs> and I know some of those guys went out to some pretty big success, right? One of them's on SNL yeah. or was or is? One of them one of them was on SNL for a season. Uh, yeah. And some of the guy one of the guys is an editor. He all he works on like some like ABC and some Disney stuff. One of the guys actually he does he's a director, but he also works on last week's night doing graphics, uh, Tim. Like there's just a lot of you know, and he got that job because we lost a graphics person and I sort of, I recommended him because he was, I knew he was good. That's another thing. It's not just about who you know, but if you're like, if you know, if you network well and you Perform. put effort into yeah. your work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean that 15 plus years ago. So that uh, you're, yeah. Our college. I mean, I, yeah, I graduated yeah, 2004 Yeah. and I met these guys 2001. Yeah, so I've yeah, known them for 20 years and we and we still talk to each other. We still hang out and everything, you know, through the pandemic. We were on Zoom calls and, you know, chats and everything. As an outsider from the media industry, I, I've been exposed to it a little bit just because of hanging out with Bobby. 
where he'll we'll go on a shoot and he'll take like 800 pictures and he'll be like yeah i got like 20 good ones at least in there and i'm like what why don't you have 700 good ones right like so take us through like a week in uh the life of a senior editor for last week tonight right because you guys are you guys are producing fresh content on on the weekly there yeah i mean it's um the general show is just like you know it's very straightforward it's footage and we just I mean, when, since we've worked from home, uh, the other editor and I will like work on it remotely and get it out and all that stuff. The the more creative part of my job is when we get a, assigned a field piece or something that's going to relate to the story that you know the host is talking about um, at the end. Where and that's usually like a self-contained short film or sketch or something like that. And uh, you know, obviously, we did a lot more of them before the pandemic, but it was. That when we did do them, those were like they were full on shoots. They were full on like, you know, TV or film shoots where we would. There was a you know production designer who makes sure everything looks great. They storyboard everything. The director is like the director and the producers are just constantly working. There's like a whole you know section of our, of our company just like working on getting this maybe two to three minute sketch made. And sometimes they'll be doing it months out. Um, like last year at the end of the year for the finale, we blew up a giant, uh, effigy of like 2020 in a quarry. And I cried. I in was a like quarry. crying. <laughs> yeah. was so good. Yeah. They, they, they are, our production staff did an incredible job with that. And it was, um, and you know, and it was difficult because of, you know, COVID restrictions and distancing. And there was like so many new, uh, protocols set on film sets nowadays. Um, but like the scale of that thing, like. I don't know the details of it, but it was a lot of, can we shoot on this day? Well, if it rains, the, the, this might happen. The quarry might flood or something. I don't know. And it's like, there's so many weird logistical things uh, that go into that. So we're, for that shoot specifically, that was just a lot of moving parts in the pre-production. Sometimes when there is the shoots and there would be, uh, so it was one thing that comes to mind a few seasons ago, we did a thing where it was about, was it public defender? We did a thing about, um, it was like a sketch where like a bunch of kids were in charge of a court and there was one like adult in it and it was John Benjamin the guy who does the voice of like Archer and yeah. And he was basically improvising on a six hour shoot with kids. And it was just like the kids were just, like, we gave them like lines to read and stuff. Um, but you know, we, we used a lot of their improvisations. Long story short, it was like six hours of footage and it was maybe a two minute piece. And that all happened in like, you know, 24 hours of like going through six hours and getting that two minutes out of there. And so like that, that kind of weekend is a lot of just like you're saying with Bobby, like taking 800 pictures and choosing, you know, 10 of them. It's, it was so fun. It had so much energy, man. <laughs> It's crazy. Thank you. Getting through that. I was, uh, it was, that was a rough weekend. <laughs> Love kids, but it was a rough weekend. That's a, that's a lot of kids in one place too. Like it I, is. that's just like that's a, that's just like like vibes from everybody all the time and their emotions are going back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> Those are great. I can I can definitely attest a little bit to uh the the kind of like manic energy of those sorts of shoots too, because like that's what shooting a race is like. That's what shooting an OCR event is. It's like, all right, cool, I've got 24 obstacles, we've got six waves. And I've got to make sure that I have enough time at each one of these obstacles. I kind of have an idea of how I want to shoot it. And then when it's time to go, 
there's not a there's not a second chance so you just don't stop shooting right like i mean like you just like i mean i'll shoot the whole thing in, in slow motion so i've got a lot to look through and so you just kind of like fall back on all of your instincts at those sorts of points and then like hope that you can sort it out later <laughs> yeah that's what editing's for <laughs> just right. sort, sorting it out um and it is one of the uh, the interesting things to me about being an editor is like putting finding those moments and finding those puzzle pieces and putting them together into one cohesive like just focused narrative and then like with your videos I'm, I'm i was curious i was watching like you're saying you shoot everything in slow motion that's a lot of footage like slow motion is just those extra frames i can't even imagine is it just you or do you have a crew with you it's just me wow <laughs> <laughs> that's and i just that's graduated crazy. to mirrorless from dslr too oh like, wow i finally have like nine stops of dynamic range to work with so it's like it's it's bright i'm sweating in my eyes because i'm not actually in that good a shape like mm -hmm. and i'm looking right into the sun and i'm like all right i'm fairly certain that i have everything exposed well and then someone runs by and they're doing something cool and you just gotta run and go grab that and so you just like get home and then you've got like what uh four hours of footage and it's due the next day and you just go mm -hmm. okay uh i think I remember when most of the cool stuff happened and then just kind of go from there. It literally it's sounds wonderful like a though because you start to build it's <laughs> I don't like editing. I the, like shooting. <laughs> <laughs> the getting a first edit or first cut of something is definitely the hardest part for me. Going through all that footage, like and you're just basically throwing mounds of clay onto this table and you're just like uh sure that one looks good and you're just like blah 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 um my hands are flailing for anyone who's just listening yeah. um but it's and it's a lot of just refining and like shrinking and like shaving and trimming and you know snipping fat and that and that's when it gets fun when you start get you know when you have like the content that you want to show and then you just start playing with that and then making that yeah you're refining it you start to find the moments that are important. You start yeah. to find where like it goes from uh, documentation into uh, emotion, mm -hmm. like where you start to say, okay, this felt, I felt something that time. Why did it feel good to cut from this scene to this scene? Or why did it feel that, like, why did that part of the music not work at all for where I have it? It's Cause like the first, the first, like I have to cut, like if it's race coverage, it has to go down to like a three minute sizzle reel or whatever. So if you've got four hours, then you go, you start just like, I'll just go in my media window and it's like, okay, I'm cutting and I'm throwing stuff out. And that first, that first like cut will be like 20 minutes. And it's like, okay, hey, I don't think any of this is good. I need to go and shoot the whole thing again. I got to start over. I don't want it. I don't want it. And then it's like either, depending on how early it is, if it's 8 a.m., I'll have coffee. If it's 9 a.m., it might go to whiskey immediately because it's just like it seems like everything is is horrible. It seems like That's a hard but natural ruined. turn. To <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> and so, then like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was to say the, the point we're driving home, though, is it's a lot more complicated than uh, us as racers who get this awesome video, you know, two days later realize, you know, there's just so much more going into the backside. Yeah, um, just like putting on a race. There's just so much going <laughs> into the backside you just never see, and you just have absolutely no clue of. Anthony, when when we see a clip on last week tonight, like how many revisions? I, I know obviously it'll be different for every clip, right? Like, but how many revisions am I looking at the, on the finished product? 
Something I did this past weekend, we went to, I'm sorry, I'm going to turn my phone on silent. Something we did this past weekend went to 15 versions, I want to say. And that was, and that, you know, that's like a fully edited, I'm not talking about like the clips you see throughout the show of like, you know, in that are interspersed with John talking to like, you know, sort of uh, prove what he's talking about or to like add to the narrative of like the arc. I'm talking about like the the sketches or the, we do those like end now interstitials, which are super cuts of like footage um like news coverage and we like find like a we find like a a beat in them and sort of like play on it and make a joke about like oh this person says this this newscaster says this all the time this newscaster quotes r&b lyrics all the time and we will do like a super cut of that um but yeah have to be insane to edit (laughs) it's a lot of footage (laughs) talk (laughs) about footage and like there were times when like oh we have too much of this let's do two of them and then we'll do like a two-parter within the one episode or like we'll keep on coming back to one one character uh, quote unquote character like a newscaster who like keeps on doing a thing or like someone you know but yeah the past this past weekend we i was on version 15 of something which for the bigger pieces it's usually between eight and i would say 15 or so this one was uh an animation that we did so it was a lot of like we getting uh footage from a different part of the company and then like you know uh cutting in the new the updated animations and so it was a lot of back and forth um but yeah, I mean, there was one thing that when there was another, uh, there's a piece that went to 27 versions. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ooh. And it's, it's not like, you know, our, the boss, the people in charge of the show are, they're great with giving notes. Just sometimes we can't find, especially with that, uh, those, and now interstitials, like we can't find like the, the right landing to something or, you know, something, oh, that joke is good. It could be better. Let's keep on looking, you know, one of those types of deals. And it's also myself and the director just wanting to make the thing better like i'll watch something and i'll be happy with it and like the bosses will be happy with it but i'll just keep going because i'm just like well when is this going to air okay so i this is taping uh you know we have to i have to finish this by tomorrow night what else can i add between now and then like it's not done until it gets taken away from me right and i know i was like i know the answer to this one because i went to uh i went to your office uh, a couple years ago and i actually got to watch a live filming of last week tonight which is a pretty cool experience when does it actually get taken away from you? Because I, I saw you working on stuff. <laughs> that, uh, right after that taping. Sorry, sorry what were you going to say? You saw yeah, I was just saying, like, you, you, they literally had you change something. Like, and we were like, oh, we're going into the, like, the viewing area in like 15 minutes. I was like, and like, can you make this explosion smaller or bigger? I can't remember what it was. But <laughs> it you was like, when yeah, it, probably something dumb like that. Yeah, but like, you literally <laughs> were editing stuff like, as we're like, waiting to go get seated. It was pretty wild. Some, sometimes after there, are, when um, even though even sometimes the other editor will be working on like the cut of the show, and we will have a, such a big thing, or we you know the turnaround will be so tight that I will be editing it until the show is fed. Not even like so the show taping is done. We're like tweaking things that happened during the taping. Like maybe there was like some someone you know coughed in the audience or something like that, or I hit the microphone. Maybe John hits the microphone. Um, Maybe like some, just some, the timing of something is off. So we just like, you know, we trim that stuff uh, after the taping. I, there were, there have been multiple times where like either myself or the other editor were still working on our pieces right up until we were, we had like, you know, press space bar and play the show down to like a network feed to like a satellite feed or whatever. Like, That's and then so we like, we, we get the last piece in, render it. And then, Yeah. I think with the finale two years ago, when it was when we were still in the studio, there was I was making revisions up until the feed, which was yeah. 
and, and that, that was just straight up taken away from me i wish i had another day to work on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> i was like and like i'm still happy with it like watching it now you're removed from all the drama of what was going on at the time while you were making it um and that also brings me to like something where it's like you also have to make sure you have fresh eyes when you watch something or when you are working on something because if you're just in it for so long you lose perspective of what you're doing yeah, and yeah. It, that's harder from a marathon or you know point of view I, I would think because you're constantly you're just in the thing and you can't really like stop and go away and then come back and be like i'll finish this tomorrow yeah i'll get a better perspective on my pacing tomorrow yeah yeah um, you're kind of in it at that point yeah <laughs> so our jobs are very different but you know not not entirely all right so let's start jumping into some of your thoughts on ocr and just kind of the future of media in general so, you know, I sent you a bunch of links and I know you, you watch a little bit of them just for the, the audience here. I sent him a clip of the Spartan games there, uh, the event that Spartan did for during kind of COVID lockdown. I did send him like a normal race coverage link. So live feed on Facebook, that's like three hours. Um, sent him a clip of like a one hour NBC special uh, that was aired on uh, NBC sports for a while. And then like kind of like a nor- normal non-major race series type clip. And then some of uh some of Bobby's videos for OCR America that were more storyline centric. Give me some like general thoughts on like your opinion on the future of media, right? Cause like growing up, it was all about TV and now like, I know I canceled my cable service and I know a lot of my friends don't have cable and like me and Bobby were talking, like we just watch YouTube because I can get literally exactly what I want. Um, kind of what's mm-hmm. your, what's your thoughts on like, you know, as someone who's like in the industry, like what's the future of uh, entertainment kind of looking like? I, I mean, I've I cut my teeth on sketch com on internet and like YouTube sketch comedy. Like that's what I started doing. That was my most accessible audience when I was doing comedy. When you know, as uh, as a side project, when I had like a day job, I wasn't crazy about. And in even that company I worked for, we did strictly internet content, um, and like we were able to sort of do everything. Oh, sorry, my cat was doing something. Uh, we were able to. Uh, do whatever we wanted. We weren't limited to, uh, you know, network notes or anything like that. We, cause we were just making this stuff, putting it out there. And I think that's a very strong utility that I didn't have when I was in like, say when we were in high school, like we could, the videos that we made, we couldn't make them and just like put them somewhere. We just sort of had to show them to our friends at a party. And it's that's like, right. look at this thing that we made. It's hilarious. Right. <laughs> right. And we would be laughing the loudest in the room. But like, I so think for, for, yeah. our list, for our listeners, <laughs> Anthony made a video in 2003 while I was on military training and it's a horror movie. It's about 10 minutes long. And I showed Bobby about three days ago and it is just as funny as I remember it. I think it's the best piece of footage ever. <laughs> All right, keep going. Sorry. Um, no, uh, I think I, I still think the internet, like I still think whatever YouTube is going to evolve into or what it has, like I watch more YouTube than anything. I watch YouTube on my TV. I, I that's one of like the only subscriptions that I pay for that, I pay for a bunch of subscriptions, but that YouTube is the one I feel like I get the most bang for my buck. Because I think about all the, the amount of YouTube I watch compared to the advertisements I'd be watching. I pay for like the YouTube Red or whatever. So I just never, you know, I would, so I cut out all the commercials and everything. But like, it's it's difficult. I, there's so many, I guess, networks have moved over to this hybrid of app or, you know, internet and broadcast. Right, like, so like HBO has HBO, HBO and then HBO Max, Max right? Yeah. So you're getting like the older crowd probably with HBO who who still has their subscription, mm-hmm. and the younger crowd who's like, 
I literally watch everything off my phone or tablet. Yeah. But, and like, but to prove the point further, like our show, put our show when we started, it was a very big thing that we were putting like almost our entire episode on YouTube. That was like, and like, we just, cause not HBO was such a, you know, that it's a, it's an expensive piece of cable premium, to pay for. What, yeah. Premium. There you go. That's, that's the word. <laughs> and so like, it was, I thought it was very cool that we were putting it on YouTube and cause we do cool like research stories. And I think it shouldn't be limited to people who have money to pay for, you know, premium cable. Um, and I'm glad that like, a lot of other shows are also doing that. And uh, because you, you're right, I can just watch, you know, oh, I heard this. I don't want to watch the entirety of, say, SNL or something like that. You yeah. know, I mostly do. But like, that's sometimes what I was, like, oh, was going to actually say is the example. I heard that sketch was really good. Let me send it or like, oh, I can send the sketch to Evan because it's, you know, funny or whatever. I do mostly watch the entirety of SNL. <laughs> it's still it's like a habit. It's just something I've been doing since I was a kid. <laughs> I don't I don't watch much SNL anymore. Although there is a uh James Franco was on an episode where they're wrapping Christmas paper and he cuts his finger and it's literally oh, yeah, but... it's it's like one of the funniest pieces of footage I've ever seen. I laughed so <laughs> hard during it. I'll drop the note I'll drop the link in the uh in the notes of the show cuz it's that good. Um but yeah, I th- I I really think whether um I think the major networks and companies are like seeing that. And that's, I think that's why they're making these prepackaged apps, you know, yeah, yeah. like of HBO max. And like, they were just like, okay, what content can we have on the streaming service? And that's, it is, and then they are becoming pretty much just channels again. Um, but I think they are also, they are more focused if you have like a special interest. And I think something with uh, OCR, I think would is, would benefit very greatly on like finding what channel it, or what group of channels it could be a part of. I was just going to interject. Uh, I think that's a really great point because it seems like TV was what it was for a very long time. And then the internet came around and we had YouTube and it suddenly seemed like people wanted to enjoy media in smaller chunks. But as time has gone on, YouTube has begun to uh, play host to a lot more long-form content. And as that content has grown, uh, we've seen things like like Twitch uh, and streaming become a oh, big totally. thing. And that's a whole segment of the audience that wants longer-form content that they can engage with and then sort of disengage from, which is something that like live feed, OCR, like the CrossFit games or things like that, like really lend themselves to. But we've also seen the market grow in the exact opposite direction with things like TikTok and Instagram reels and stories that are even smaller than YouTube ever was with like these like 15 second chunks of content that you can consume, like uh, a story basically with like a tiny piece of your mind that's like distracting you throughout the day. And so (laughs) I actually, I don't know if, if it's that the format of TV is the problem. It's just that you have to go to so many different places to get that content now, right? And we don't want to be advertised to all the time in the traditional senses, and we don't want to deal with five minutes of of commercials and then 10 minutes of, like, story. But it's all viable now. A 30-minute piece of content on YouTube is something that I will definitely sit down and watch. I'll watch Lindsay Ellis' essays an hour long every single time. I don't even care. Like, that's the same format that I would have, uh, you know, like, consumed on television before. Mm -hmm. So I think that like there's a lot of room for lots of different ways to consume OCR content. The problem is exactly what you said. Where do you go to get OCR? Like 
show me that streaming service that's all about a niche sport like that or like all about consuming all kinds of different links and formats of content so that I don't have to pay for this or that subscription service. I don't want ABC and NBC and CBS. I don't care. Like, I'm not going to go to Hulu unless Letterkenny is on. It's the only thing that will pull me over to Hulu. <laughs> uh, that's a good reason. It's incredible. <laughs> but I don't watch anything else because I, I don't, I don't want to deal with it. Like, I just spend time on YouTube because and TikTok. That's like basically like all I consume. So I think that's a super great point. Where you put it is more important than how you present it, I think. Yes, totally. I think that to your point about TikTok and Instagram also, I while watching uh, the links that Evan shared, you know, prior to the uh, podcast, there was a lot of there's it's with OCR, I feel like there's each individual uh, obstacle was very interesting to watch interesting to watch. And I think in a micro, I guess, format like Instagram or TikTok or something like that, it might also play well on that. It's like, oh, this is this is, here's a cut of like a bunch of people going through this one obstacle. Here is this one person doing this, you know, specific obstacle. I'm not and like another thing I noticed it was the documentary aspect of most of the races, how it's like because the races are so long and there's a lot of like in between the different obstacles and obviously the different people running them. I like hearing the personal stories of each person running it because everyone seems to be running for something different. And I think or, you know, something different, but also they're all doing it for whether themselves or someone else. It's just, it's that I found very uh, engaging. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that format seems to be, have worked well for like Ninja Warrior with uh, diving into the backstories of a lot of people to make them a little more memorable versus just like, here's your dude running on the course and right. Well, we're doing, doing crappy, you know? So <laughs> I think something about like OCR, uh, OCR has got like, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but it's kind of got a little bit of a, uh, of like a Napoleonic complex. It's like constantly like the, like the, uh, the little guy that nobody really knows about. We got to continue to reintroduce ourselves every time. It's like, you know, like you watch a, like a YouTuber, like just getting started. And for like the first hundred thousand subs, like I, it seems like everything is like, hi, I'm this. And this is my message. Like, hi, this is me. And this is what I do. Like OCR has been doing that for years now. And uh, that's the that's the problem with this sort of thing because you've got like the the high level media um, that wants to kind of create stars, but nobody really knows who those stars are. And then you've got like the kind of stuff that I do, which is very low level media, where you're still making mostly videos for the like just like in the like the stuff that I do, like that I did this weekend. I can't just create something that's beautiful or about the obstacles or something that is it's, it's like a hybrid sort of. Uh, piece of media that's mostly about people seeing themselves later so that it promotes the race like it promotes the series so you've got to like go back and forth between like trying to create something that's beautiful and maybe something that tells a story and then also something that serves a marketing purpose that's very specifically like everybody who raced wants to see their faces so you just show as many slow motion shots of people looking their best as you can and uh it's 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 still walking that weird line between like uh a professional sport where you know who uh, everybody like CrossFit has kind of reached that place where yeah. we know who our favorite CrossFit athletes are, but we really don't know who's big in OCR. We're still trying to figure out what kind of media works in each situation. I was going to say there, there are big names in OCR, but again, I think they're only known in the OCR crowds, right? Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Like Ryan Atkins well, walking around or Jonathan Alvin walking around like festivals. People aren't like, Ooh, like running up to it. You know, it's like, just uh, another athlete walking around. So yeah, it's, um, yeah. 
It's interesting because I had sort of an opposite. I mean, because I don't know any OCR stars, I was watching these videos thinking like, oh, that looks like it would be really fun to do. I, maybe like that community, like, and maybe that's what you want to get at some of these videos where it's like, hey, like you're saying a marketing sort of level aspect of it, like let's entice people to like come to these events like or to, you know, sign up for these races, the ones that, you know, it almost, you know, just normal anyone can sign up for. I don't know. I feel like finding those like fun footage was yeah, just very interesting to me. Gotcha. Yeah. And I think, I think they're, they're doing a pretty good job with that because I mean, people show up to the race all the time. And then a lot of times I'll, I'll like, I'll talk to someone after and they'll be like, Oh, there's a competitive side of this. And you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, there is a competitive side. It's what I do like almost every weekend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, then, I mean, but that, that, I mean, you're sort of like proving a point, like how do you, as someone who didn't watch the, I know there was a competitive side because I know that you, I know you and I know that you do these races and everything. Right. Um, some of the videos, not all of them, but some, you know, all of them, you obviously see that there is a race. Some of them, it just looks like, oh, this is like a fun thing that people were doing. Ah, um, you yeah. like draw the, you know, you, how do you draw that line and be like, okay, you like set up, it, like you do it, like, I guess, like an American Ninja Warrior type um format where it's like these are our content or like in like you know not american gladiators i know it's not that but it's like that's what sort of i'm thinking of where it's like these are our contestants and like as a kid i like gave a crap about those guys like yeah the, laser the quote-unquote normal contestants and like the yeah and the gladiators i don't know is there some sort of like more not to like strip it of the athletic part of it but there i mean you see i've seen pictures of you do like races you know as comic book characters like yeah is there some sort of like fun aspect to the or like entertainment aspect the races that maybe hasn't been tapped yet like a not quite wwe but like more like because not like that performative but like more just like it can probably be done in the editing or the or the filmmaking of where it's like they here are like the main people who are running this race yeah you know, these are the people that we should be you know focusing on and maybe try to make a narrative of their competition i think spartan does that with their nbc races they've been doing yeah uh, they've been doing that and um you know i feel like they, we've tried i say we um almost is not ocr it's just like hollywood and uh media has tried where like they take kind of ocr and kind of blend it with kind of reality tv where there's shows like a um, million dollar mile and um, where it's like they're doing obstacles, but there's also contestants, but they're also introducing backstories. And yeah. um, what was the other one? Um, the one with John Cena. Uh, the one with the Rock Titan Games. That's the one. Was one. That one's, that one's a little less OCR, a little more of just like I, yeah. random strength competitions. So it's, yeah. I don't know. I, I, feel, I feel like we tried a lot of different things, and I figured something would have stuck by now. But um Ninja Warrior seems to be the only thing that's like really stuck. Everything else yeah, lasts a, for a season or two and then is gone. They have a pretty good for, uh, format down, but yeah, there. I, I don't know what that that alternate angle of it is, would be. Something that I think works really well for Ninja Warrior that I I think that um, some races do better than others. I think that uh, while Spartan has just the most beautiful, like I love their media all the time. I think that something that uh, can be played up more is like the character of the obstacles themselves. I think Conquer the Gauntlet does really well with like Pegatron 
right? Like uh, Pegatron is known to be a really uh, like for anybody who doesn't know Pegatron, it's 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 basically a, a pegboard where you have where you you have to hold the pegs and they're they're really short, and so you got to go through, but you don't you can't use your legs. And so it's kind of become a thing that it's, it's, it's super difficult and a lot of people fail. And, you know, if it's over water, well, then it's like, then all of the pegs are wet and you're wet and it's even more difficult, but they've got like a, a legend of Pegatron, right? Like, I mean, like they've, they've got like this, this sort of a animated sort of a, or, or just sort of a, an illustration of a character. That's like a banner on the side of it. Yeah. Everybody talks about, Hey, how'd you do on Pegatron? How'd you do on this? And reinventing, those obstacles each year is something that I think the races could, could work on too. Keeping a name, keeping just like, I think America, you mentioned American gladiators. Mm -hmm. And I immediately thought about that. It was like these like little events and these obstacles, they like came back season after season, but they were kind of different or like even in the next episode, they'd have a spin. Yeah. CTG has kept that up. Having, I I think like having a brand associated with like the different, I think that's, that's really smart because when watching American Gladiators, maybe they'd be like, okay, next event will be the Gauntlet. Immediately, I'd be like, okay, I have to watch this. Or it's like, yeah. oh, I don't like yeah. this event. I don't like this event that much. The, uh, was it the, the Joust? Was, and it wasn't really, was that the yeah. Joust? Yeah, it was like the Pugil Sticks. They, they, yeah. And they hit each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple? Yes. Love Legends Lo- of the Hidden Temple. Or like guts or something like that, like guts. And like <laughs> yeah. I'm not, and like I don't want to seem like I don't. Hopefully, I'm not like sounding like insulting, like comparing OCR to guts. But I, it guts had like a very, you know, it was it was kids doing <laughs> obstacle course, but it had like a a very kid vibe to it, where it was like super, you know, they're climbing a plastic mountain, or I assumed it was. So I, I need <laughs> I to. I'm it. making a note to myself right now that I need to find someone that was on Legends of the Hidden Temple and mm-hmm. bring them on the podcast. And then make sure they also do OCR, like in as an adult. <laughs> also, a random random story. The there's a movie called Legends of the Hidden Temple, based on the TV show that I watched with my no. daughter during quarantine last year. And there's all these like subtle throwbacks and like little, you know, like the the monkey statues in there and the purple monkeys. And the, the, yeah, they they reference all the different colored animals in the teams. It's it's it was good for a kids' movie, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. You're not going to be like, that's one of my new top five movies. <laughs> You'll enjoy the nostalgic uh, throwbacks. Move over, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to like very quickly like get off topic and say that Susan, like the skeleton in the background and that shadow. Oh, that's terrifying. Me out when I see myself <laughs> in, in, in the Zoom meeting and I'm loving it right now. So Bobby has a full-size human skeleton hanging behind him in his uh, Zoom window. With a Hawaiian shirt on, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm. I swear, I am not. I've not been looking at it all Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do. Uh, have any celebrities done OCR races? Because that's like the easiest way to get more recognition is having someone famous do your thing. Yeah. So we had Randy Moss did uh, a couple Spartan races. He got his trifecta, so doing three races uh, of different distances in a calendar year. Um, Lance Armstrong actually came into the sport for a little bit. I don't. I'm not, I can't remember if he actually ran the pro wave or was just running the uh, open waves. And then, you know, there are celebrities that pop in and out. Uh, Conquer the Gauntlet has one of the Hanson brothers nice. from, from Hanson. You remember? Uh, yeah, I remember Stein's ex, ex-girlfriend was obsessed with them. Oh, I do. <laughs> so we've seen him. No big deal. <laughs> and someone always puts Mbop on the, uh, on the Conquer the Gauntlet playlist when he shows up. <laughs> so at some point <laughs> it comes over. But he's a, he's a good spider. 
<laughs> no, he's a good sport. But he's, he seems super chill, and he uh, a lot of times he posts like videos of him doing Conquer the Gauntlet afterwards, and like the you know the uh, body cam uh, GoPro type footage. Not for nothing, but that song is a jam. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't you listen to like the like I don't know. It, it it's a very catchy song, and it's like made to. Yeah, that's like that's a commercial song and a half, and it's I think it's it did its job really well. <laughs> listening to it now, removed from like, ugh, I don't want to listen to this dumb song. Listen to like I listened to it like a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, wow, that's a really like that's a solid song. Good for them. Good for that's these a, three that's brothers. A mood. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm in a I'm in a mbop mood today. I didn't like seek it out. It oh. it got in my head some. I guess I did seek it. Out. It got in my head somehow, and then anyway, this is a tangent and a half. <laughs> Yeah, so it sounds like I mean, it's, like some of the ideas you're po- you're uh, postulating are all are all good, and I feel like maybe maybe we are doing the right things. Maybe we're just not being patient enough uh, to let things kind of take off. And uh, obviously, COVID did not help anything because it it yeah. took a pretty severe blow to a lot of industries, OCR included. And uh, I don't think we'll really understand the effects of that until probably another year or two down the line, where we can tell like what was the actual effect of COVID on OCR? So, but I think it, uh, I've talked about it on the podcast before. I think the sport will continue to go on uh, regardless. It may not be in the format uh, or the same style that we're used to, but it, it's going to go on. Uh, then I want to, I wrote an article called uh, the end of the golden era of OCR or something, something like that on the team strength website. If anyone wants to go, that's some clickbait right there. Go, uh, go peruse that. I kind of compare it to some other sports like I do with, uh, OCR regularly and uh, just talk about some of my thoughts on kind of the future. I think that it's like, it's a thing that uh, just you write, like Evan, like writing an article about like the end of the golden era of OCR. I think you're right. Like OCR hasn't had much time to develop a narrative as a sport yet either. Just over the long term, you know, if you talk about like baseball, you, you have so much connection to baseball. And even like CrossFit, because they had so much uh, media so early, we've got narratives of over the past several years of big uh, athletes become stars and then kind of like fall down. So there's a wave, there's a little, there's history there. Like OCR may just need to like develop a little bit more of a mythos. Good thing. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, how old is is it as a sport? So I would say I would count from... uh... 2011 as the start of the sport right so i mean it there's been other events earlier but like the first quote-unquote world championship for uh world's toughest mudder and spartan race was 2011 and then the first yeah, so it, ocr world championships kind of not kind of all brand inclusive was 2014 but I, yeah i would say the start of the competitive side of the sport in my opinion is 2011 even though there were races earlier so yeah, it's, I, yeah like it's only it's, 10 years it's yeah. still in its infancy and like it's it's going to continue to evolve and maybe one aspect of it will sort of emerge as like okay let's focus on this like as not i'm not talking even about like media coverage i'm talking about like as like the community is like hey this let's this is more fun if we just focus on this I, again i don't know what it would be but as an ocr we've been really like uh chase the shiny object type thing where it's like mm-hmm. all right we're doing endurance this year and everyone's like, Ooh, endurance. And then like, there's eight hour races, 12 hour races, 24 hour races. And then someone's like, no, 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 we're doing one mile races. And everyone's like, ah, one mile races. And they go running in the other direction and you're getting like the <laughs> same athletes, like just kind of zigzagging around. Uh, like right now we're in the, uh, high rocks slash decafit phase, which is, I would say is more endurance CrossFit than it is actually obstacle course racing. Cause it's like 
10k uh so about six miles long and you do like workout stations so it's like it's like it's like crossfit with more running in my opinion so we're kind of running around that i actually do well in <laughs> yeah maybe you should go to do decafit or uh, high rocks there I mean, what hypothetically speaking, like what would an OCR Olympic uh, category be like? Would it be like a race? Would it be like a cross-country ski type thing? Would it be an obstacle course? So my, my suggestion, which I've talked about on the podcast before, is basically it's like steeplechase, but instead of steeplechase obstacles, there's like a rig on the side or there's a wall. Mm-hmm. Um, because the problem is you need to be able to – uh, standardize it a little bit more uh, so it's not as so you can compare times on the opposite side of the world right so like mm-hmm. I think there's room for an Olympic side of OCR that's very standardized and very I'm gonna use the term bland um, but you know like kind of non-changing and then the, I think there's so you know they kind of the equivalent of that would be like Olympic lifting where it's very here's the here's what you do here are the rules here's how thick the bar has to be etc uh, and then I think there's also room on the other side of the sport for kind of the wild and crazy so um, you know, strength sport has Olympic lifting and then it has strongman, which is like, lift this beer keg and throw it over this, this bar. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You can take off your pants when you do this, do whatever you want, you know? Um, right. and then, yeah, OCR is the same way where it's like, you know, all right, we're going to do a 24 hour course on a mountain or, uh, you're gonna have to wear the wetsuit for the 24 hours. Cause it's going to be, you know, things were literally freeze. So I think there's a little bit of space. So there's like a triathlon aspect of it too. If you're like, take like the, the chunk, the best if you are talking about doing like the wild and crazy thing like taking like the the most i know you're saying bland but for i guess an olympic event it has to be very focused on like what yeah. is the skill that this person is showing speaking of the olympics another plug for my articles got a article coming out on why breakdancing is going to be in the olympics and ocr isn't so follow teamstrengthspeed.com check on the articles section for that yeah i, I kind of want to know the answer to that but i, I can <laughs> I, I gotta what, know now. No, I, I don't know. What's the? Uh, God, I'm so not athletic. What's the uh, Olympic uh, event with the the like ribbon dancing? Is that what it's called? Is it? It's I think it's rhythm, rhythmic gymnastics. I believe. Okay. I think that's super interesting. I know that you're. Is that like where your the break dancing aspect is coming from? Of just like do performing. I don't want to talk about your article. If I know. Yeah. The uh, so, so the the high points of the article are one, uh, the Olympics is a business, but they sell themselves really well as like a morally aligned organization and they they you know they have they have important morals are important there but at the end we've of the done, day they're their business right we've done, a sh- we've done a show on the olympics and it's oh yeah Ooh, i'll have to I'll have to grab the link oh yeah i mean um, i think it was like our second season cost space analysis right so like i need a break dance like i literally need a, a square of floor ocr you need like a several mile course um and then the the amount of money you're spending on obstacles and marking and clearing a path and blah 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 um standardization like i talked about for the uh you know comparing times on the opposite sides of the world i can do that with breakdancing and then again kind of back to the business right like it's got to be interesting and it's got to sell tickets and like seeing someone breakdance is awesome right like it's still awesome <laughs> right regardless of how many times you watch it you're like that was that was really cool um, i shot a music video with a breakdancer uh, a couple of weeks ago and the choreographer told me you can't keep this or that move because that's what every breakdancer does but i'm like but that's why i watch a breakdancer is yeah. to see that move and go wow 
Well, it's like a figure skater, like doing like a, a freestyle type thing. Like there's a whole competition that's just freestyle, right? I'm not making this up. I, no, I feel like in video funny. games I, I played, so. there was like a thing where I have to like freestyle. That's my context, by the way. That's my, or my, that's like my Mario, reference. Part. Mario Olympics. Is like... Mario and Sonic, the Olympics. Um, oh, I play a lot of video games. I guess I should have mentioned that earlier in the podcast. Yeah, I feel like the, if, I understand that, you're, that a freestyle like sort of thing. I, I wonder if there would be some sort of like here are eight obstacles choose four of them choose five of them for like ocr you know that type of event mm. this is coming from no someone who knows nothing who knows very little about the sport and the olympics in general yeah i think i mean i think there's i, I again with ocr being so diverse in so many distances and so many disciplines i think there's room for um an ocr strongman type event so uh, there's a brand called dirt runner that has something called the DRX games that basically has like, uh, you know, five events or something. And they have you do, it's like an obstacle specific move for like for reps or for distance or for something like that. So it's like, you know, who can cross the, the rig, the most, you know, the most distance, uh, before they fall off or who can do, um, you know, the most tire flips followed by, or the, like, you know, tire flips, Atlas don't carry bucket carry over set distance in the fastest time. So it's like, they're actually individual events. So they actually stop after each one. Um, so it's it's very similar to strongman, and then they rank you, and then you get points for that. So I think there's room for that. Um, I think that I would be. I wonder if like why would cool. you? What's fun about obstacle courses and obstacle course racing media? I think though is that diversity, right? Like I mean, like oh whoa, did I just see that guy do like three levels of monkey bars? Did that just go up and down and then up again, or like? That's what makes it a fun and challenging thing to watch and why watching videos from season to season of different race series can be so much fun. It's almost like shooting for, I don't know, like maybe the word standard, not legitimizing, standardizing probably is, is, is better. Like almost take some of the magic out of it. The reason why you enjoy doing it as a lay person who's just like, yeah, I just want to go see if I can do it. Is the very same reason why obstacle course racing media can be so fun, I think, and yeah. hard to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have no answers right now. So yes, <laughs> it is. It's very difficult. <laughs> well, I think we got some good input. Any uh, any final um, thoughts on kind of the future of media or obstacle course racing, film or content in general before we start wrapping things up? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I feel like the pandemic uh, exposed, I know you were saying it rattled a lot of industries, and the film industry is obviously one of them. I mean, like, I just watched Godzilla Kong on HBO, which I was going to go see in theaters, but because of the pandemic, they, you know, HBO put, and Warner Brothers put their entire release calendar on HBO Max same day, like this year, which was a very interesting thing. It does not, for me personally, it does not replace going to a movie theater and watching, you know, King Kong and Godzilla beat the crap out of each other. Yeah, it's a big. But, that's a movie theater movie. Yeah. Oh, it totally is. But I'm and gonna like, watch I, it at my home next week. Exactly. Yeah, because it's like not right now. It's not worth the risk. Anyway, you know, I still like pumped up, the, you know, sound and everything, and it looked great, and it's it was fun. But uh, you know, it kind of proved the point that like, yes, if someone wants to pay a premium to, I don't know how it's gonna work when there's not the pandemic, but I would be curious to see if movie studios moving forward do this double release of theater and um app or internet or you know whatever and that that goes back to my point earlier about like i think right i mean right now everything is like internet and app based i think it's going to 
continue that to well, even like I think YouTube will become more and more. Yeah. Maybe, like more and more movies will go in it. Maybe they'll get like or or like channels like YouTube, which it feels like a lot of these companies are trying to do right now. I mean, YouTube is also very public oriented, and, and like you know, everyone's just putting their own stuff on there. And it's like how I started making videos. It's but like every company puts their stuff on there. So it's I don't know. Like there's even OCR stuff on there. I don't know what the what at what point you start paying for the premium stuff. So like at what point. I'm back myself into a corner here. What? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying. I'm trying to like process what that was. So we, we did. We did have a media OCR media company try to do like a premium channel, and people people were not happy with it. They were like, "What? Yeah. You make me want you want me to pay three dollars a month?" It was like it's like three dollars, guys. Uh, they were not happy, but I think part of that had to do with like the um, I think the quality of the content they were producing, right? So like, mm -hmm. if it's the same quality that's going out for free. Uh, like, I don't think people are really interested in be like, I get that for free. Why am I paying for something that's literally the same quality? Yeah. Um, I think that's, and then uh, some of the personalities uh, were a little bit abrasive, but you know, some of that works as clickbait. Um, sure. They, they definitely had some clickbait uh, clips that got people riled up. I mean, there's just people just so angry, uh, unreasonably so, but you know, yeah. And, and Bobby, was I talking with you about movie theaters? Uh, uh, I think they're like, I think movie theaters are essentially dead. And that they're they're gonna switch to like uh, kind of like almost like private screenings where it's like a bigger screen. It's not like a movie theater screen, but it's like a big screen, and there's like you know maybe twenty seats in there. So you know, you it's basically like a bunch of mini movie theaters in the space that used to be a big movie theater. That's kind of my yeah. prediction for the future. It may be because I just want it to continue because I love the experience of I love movies so much. But like, I mean, I. I don't. I don't think they will because uh, Anthony Godzilla versus Kong was horrendous on my television, like in my living room. It was not fun to watch because yeah. every time all the stuff that they made that movie for the big visual effects moments and the set pieces, they fell flat. And you're like, oh, I wish I was watching this in a theater. And then all the filler stuff in between that's supposed to kind of like whet your appetite and make, oh, I can't wait till something big punches something else big again. All that stuff fell flat and you realize that it was all filler for the big stuff that you were mm -hmm. supposed to see in a theater. Yeah. No, I, I found myself distracted while watching the movie. And like, I, you know, I know what those movies are. They're, you're watch it's literally called Godzilla vs. Kong. I'm not, yeah. watch I'm not watching like, you know, Magnolia or something, but it's like... I found myself distracted, and if if I was watching it in the theater, obviously I would be engaged. If I was watching it on a you know twenty story you know screen or whatever, it would have been <laughs> or like awesome. a, yeah. But I don't I don't know I I also kind of I agree with you like I don't I don't know if it's because I don't want them to go away, but I I don't I think the movie theater still have a future. I think there was a you know obviously we hit a road bump with everything with the pandemic. A lot of organizations companies have. Or sorry, industries have. I I think that when it's like 100% safe to go to movie theaters again, I think there will be a resurgence. I think there is going to mm. be a major resurgence of like the movie theater movie or like when like, what was it? The Hateful Eight that Tarantino did in like 70 millimeter, like yeah. on film and everything. I think there's going to be more large event films. Yeah, large format films. And Interesting. it will be, yes, I totally agree with you. I, I think like it, it might um, become more of like a, I don't know, like a 
it might become more of like a, a like an event thing that you do like or in like a niche thing that i mean i don't know if it's gonna be like private as private as like you're saying but i yeah. i think that there will be yeah i think the, the whatever the repercussions will be I, I i don't know but i think it will it would be interesting if it did turn into something that was just like everything was more event-based gotcha. of like this is hey we're presenting not like i don't mean like 4d and like you know smell vision or something but i mean mm, just like this is like yeah <laughs> we're doing this it's like this is like an event movie like remember when like lord of the rings came out there hasn't been like a, a trilogy like that i remember like every even with like people who didn't like read the book or anything like, i didn't read the book and i was like excited for that movie just because of like it was such a big event yeah uh, i wouldn't be surprised if more of those types of movies are coming out so to get people to the movie theater because like bobby you don't want to watch godzilla and king kong beat each other up on your tv you want to watch it on a big you know gigantic screen see I, i'm not I, i'm pretty new like if you're like oh we can watch it in my house or watch it in the theater like i'll be like stay in my house i'm i'm good uh but i'm not like a i mean i, I like movies but i'm not not i don't like movies like you two like movies yeah I mean, you saw, you knew how insufferable I was. We're like, we got to get there 50 minutes early so we get a seat. And yeah. not, not in like the off center. Like we have to get the center seat. But that, I mean, that carried over to makes. Now I agree. I completely agree with that. If it's, yeah. if it's an important movie, right? Like I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, all right, when did it, like when episode seven came out, I was like, we were in Lebanon and I was, we were waiting, like counting down the minutes until the tickets went on sale and then bought them online like four days early or something insane. Mm-hmm. So in like yeah, those big like ten pole movies like a Star Wars or a Marvel movie. Like I I want to see uh was the the Shang Chi trailer just dropped yesterday. I'm like oh I can't wait to see that in a the theater. And like I'm glad they delayed Black Widow. Like I I want to see that in the movie theater. Those those action movies. Gotcha. All right, let's start wrapping it up. Uh, before we go, uh, Anthony, and any uh, shout outs you want to give to anyone before we before we take off uh no you thank you for having me on here yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's been it's been super interesting uh because it, it's like i said uh part i uh, it's something i don't know much about yeah. and this has been it's been interesting uh yeah talking to bobby about the way he produces these videos and yeah and having the perspective after watching all the content you share with me having the perspective of you know you who raises these yeah bobby any uh, any uh shout outs you want to give or any kind of big things you have coming out that people need to be on the lookout for no dude uh at this at this point nothing at the moment you can go check me out at bobbyross.film if you want to hire me uh and is the website up now can i go to yeah, it yeah yeah it's it's oh, it's there it's there i i get to uh I have a bio and everything <laughs> fancy, fancy. Well, you can follow you can follow me like like twitter tiktok instagram at bobbyrossfilm it's it's all the same thing now which is really easy and uh if you try and get a hold of me on facebook i won't answer you because i'm not everyone me yeah. too yeah but less and less <laughs> facebook these years this site is great i like the splash page oh, the, hey, thanks. oh this is great and we've got so bobby did a bunch of video technique tuesday videos for the conquer the gauntlet pro team so if you head over to the ctg pro team youtube page you can watch those ahead of time um and they will eventually publish on our facebook but that's still a couple months away and then Have he you also put the first one out yet yeah, there's two up on YouTube right now. Let's see, uh, Bobby Ross just shot uh, Casey Timber Challenge a couple days ago. Keep an what eye else? out. Actually, you know what? Keep an eye out on uh, there's a project in Tulsa that's really great uh, that I- I'd love to just give a shout out anyway that I've been able to be a part of. Uh, it's called Fire in Little Africa. 
And uh, it's the 100-year anniversary of the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre. Uh, Uh There's a lot of incredible uh, education that you can get on their website and on their social media. And I was privileged to to be a part of, I, I don't know all that I could say about it, but like I, I, I was a colorist on a, on a big project that we're doing and I've been able to been, uh, to be a cinematographer and a director on a couple of different like things that they've been doing. And it's, it's a, it's a really amazing project and you definitely should educate yourself about that. If you don't know anything about what happened and, you know, here, uh, I literally a block away from my house in 1921. Gotcha. Man, that's, that's awesome. I'll, I will check that out. And before we go, Anthony, I, I didn't give you much prep time. Any, you have any good stories from high school for our listeners since you knew me back in the day? Uh, not really. We, I mean, we, we were in a lot of plays together. Evan played my son in The Sound of Music. <laughs> <laughs> that was always awkward. Yeah. Because yeah. there was a couple scenes where, like, where he hugged and we're, we're the same age. And uh, I, <laughs> I just remember having trouble not laughing because when we'd hug, because it would be like a big group. And you'd probably like you like whisper something inappropriate in my ear or something like that. And I would. Uh, it wouldn't even be inappropriate. It'd be just like a dumb high school like, Bleh. like yeah, it would yeah. be like a dumb sound or something like that. Yeah. But it was also funny because like all the other children, all the other Von Trapp children were like, I feel like seventh and eighth graders, and then they Ron, were younger. Yeah. And then so, Evan was like my, you know, he yeah, was a seniors, senior. We were yeah. both seniors. <laughs> so we we had one tenth grader, one ninth grader, and then oh, it right, yes. seventh and eighth graders. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This is Aaron, uh, Katie, and then the uh, mm-hmm. the other ones. Yeah. So I thought I, I always thought that was funny, but yeah, uh, and also just like a lot of Mario Kart and Smash Brothers that we and we still play Smash Brothers to this day. Every single time everyone comes to New York, um, we play the most recent iteration of Smash Brothers, and it's like riding a bike. It's and you know Evan, you don't you don't have like a Switch or you haven't had any of the nope. most recent Nintendo system, so he only plays it like once a year at my place. <laughs> but the controls have not changed, so he's just able to just pick it up and he, you know, it's it's awesome. What a, yeah, we jump what a great right into game. it. We jump yeah. right into it. I feel like my Evan character. is a Kirby player. Uh, no, that's that's, that's Anthony. Funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the no, first, I'm first Samus. Smash Brothers. Yeah, Evan was always Samus. I was always Kirby. And then occasionally, I like to play as Mr. Game and Watch because he's such a terrible character. <laughs> so like, it's morally, it's demoralizing when I beat you with him if I can pull it off, which is infrequent. And then my other favorite one is Donkey Kong because he has a move where he picks you up. So I'd pick people up and I just walk off the edge of the screen like suicide with them. <laughs> And then they get super mad. Uh, I don't win with that though, but it, it's worth it for the reaction. Yeah, it's. I mean, you're not you're not playing Super Smash Brothers to win. You're you're yeah. playing it because I don't know. Just you're laughing at everything. Yeah. <laughs> there's still things I quote the Snorlax situation. There's still things yeah. I quote like in my head when I see like a character from something, and that it like immediately brings me back to yeah. playing uh, Smash Brothers with Evan. Yeah, bottom line, big big nerds in high school. And, uh, <laughs> don't regret any of it. Still a big nerd. Still a big nerd, yeah. <laughs> oh, don't, oh, I wouldn't change so, any yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, if you want to know more, uh, you can head over and pick up the Ultra OCR Man book, my book uh, that me and Bobby were off to the commentary for. And that's available on my website, teamstrengthspeed.com. Also, all my books are available on Amazon now, I believe. So if you just search for my name, Evan Preparis, you'll they'll all pop up and you can – uh, you can buy them off there too, or off my website. Either one, either one works. And yeah, we are gonna wrap it up. Uh, thanks for coming on, and it's good catching up with you, Anthony. Haven't we haven't talked in a while? Like most. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, most of my male friends, we we talk and then we won't talk for like six months, and then it'll be like, hey, I'm coming over. I'm coming home in like a week. 
or I'm coming home. <laughs> no, it's usually like 24 hours out. And my wife's like, yeah. did you tell Anthony you're coming home? I was like, no. I was like, I'll text him tomorrow. <laughs> She's like, what? Like, yeah. I feel like it's also just texting Star Wars memes back and forth. That's usually what it is. A lot of them. Uh, my, my favorite one is the uh, action figure of um, uh, Luke Skywalker's parents. It's just like a burnt skeleton. Oh, his, his aunt and his uncle. His aunt and Aunt Peru. It's just a burnt skeleton. It's so good. <laughs> you sent me the other one. I, I was like looking through our texts. I mean, we're going to run out of time, but it was the... Uh, one of the last ones was like hot ant in a Marvel movie. It's Marissa Tomei in Spider-Man. It says hot ant in the Star Wars movie. And it's Aunt Peru and Uncle Owen burn. I, I love Aunt Peru and Uncle Owen jokes. They're so dark. I love the darkness of them. Oh, man. Anyway, OCR. Yeah. All right. We're going to wrap it up. Thanks again for listening. Check the notes at the bottom of this uh, of this podcast post for some of the videos and content we mentioned. And uh, other than that, yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch you guys in a in a week or two. All right, Bye. thanks guys. Bye, thanks a lot. Mm-hmm.